the dark of the night, something strange is going on. Yo, fuck you, man. Welcome to the Dead Army Podcast. This is the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. The goal here is to help indie horror filmmakers by talking about the stories behind the stories and uh, talking about different projects that are out there, giving filmmakers ideas, because really, we want to see more indie horror out there. Also, we want more people watching indie horror. So we want to make this all more accessible to all those people who might watch more mainstream stuff. We want to bring more of this stuff to the light so we get more eyeballs on it. If that sounds good to you, Go to deadharvey.com. There you can uh, sign up for our e-newsletter. You can follow us, on, follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, jump on board, join the community. We'd love to have you on board and help us reach those goals. So today we're actually going to talk about what's on our radar, but we're also going to talk about crowdfunding. We've been talking about crowdfunding about once a month. I do actually think that crowdfunding is something that's going to be more and more important for uh, indie filmmakers. It's something that had a big rise and then it kind of fell apart, but now it's starting to come back and there's cool projects on there. So we kind of want to highlight those. So we'll talk about that and some lessons there, but first we're going to talk about what uh, what's on our radar. So uh, Brad, what you've been watching? Uh, like we talked about last week, you know, we were talking about people discover indie horror movies and a lot of it's through word of mouth. So there's this movie that I'd heard about for a while called Raw. It's this French horror movie about um, how a girl has these cannibalistic instincts that gets unleashed when she goes to uh, when she goes to veterinarian school. So she gets like some some meat and then uh, school cafeteria when her parents are there and just freaks out. And so you know that like just like the mere thought or taste of meat freaks this girl out. She's strictly vegetarian. But then she gets hazed at the veterinarian school where everybody dumps blood on her and then they make her eat a rabbit kidney. Everybody has got to eat this rabbit kidney and all of a sudden, it incites this insatiable craving for meat. So she's eating raw chickens. Um, she's just going nuts. And she's her. there's this really grotesque scene in the movie where her sister gets her finger cut off. And she's just, and the sister's like passing out. All this blood's coming from it. And the dog's there. The dog's trying to go towards the finger. And they're shooing the dog away. And then she's looking at her sister's severed finger. And she just can't help herself. She just grabs a finger and starts going to town on it. You see like these extreme close-ups of the sinew being ripped off of the finger and everything. And then she just vomits up hair. And there's all this. She goes through all these changes. She gets a rash when she first eats that rabbit kidney. But then once she finds out that she has this insatiable desire for meat, um, then that rash goes away and then she just starts looking at humans a little bit differently. So it's sort of like this coming of age story, plus like uh, starting to be like origin story of a cannibal in this as well too, taking place at this veterinarian school. So I thought it was a really cool twist. It will test how far you can get by watching something without having to throw up. So it'll test your gag reflexes. Also, it'll test like how, how much you can stomach things if you're eating while watching a movie. But this is a really cool, really unique movie, and you can find it at Tubi. Cannibal Cannibal Films is kind of an interesting subgenre all in itself, you know, because it's really tough to make them humorous and light mm -hmm. because, it like, I mean, you have stuff like uh, Green Inferno, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Like, I think Cannibal Holocaust is probably the first one that kind of, like, people freaked out about. And, oh, yeah. And, and it mm -hmm. kind of put it all on, the, uh, yeah. like, everyone's radar, the Cannibal Films. I mean, I'm trying to think, well, obviously, in a, in a weird way, 
the, the one of our other topics today zombies are kind of cannibalistic but they're not really human so i, I don't think it counts yeah but uh but yeah cannibal movies are interesting i don't know how you could turn have it have a humorous spin on cannibal movies because it's all the whole concept is kind of creepy but there's not a lot of cannibal movies out there really yeah, well, I just like like the style, like the like a lot of these French horror movies. Like when we started talking about the French New Wave of horror <laughs> movies, I just like how like relentless they are. It's just yeah. there's a, I mean, they really they really go for it. Uh, That's with, like <laughs> like a lot of the French horror stuff. But it's really cool, but it also makes them really unique too. It's like sort of like how the Italians have their own spin on horror movies. The French have a very distinct style for a lot yeah. of these like and horror movies that really go for the throat. Yeah. And it's gory. And that's yeah. like, I, I, from all the, like the, from the original, like we've talked about before, the original, like French new wave from like martyrs and, and uh, inside and, and all those type of, like they, they, they don't shy away. It's kind of like, whereas he's like a typical, like a North American mm-hmm. version or like other ones. It's sort of like they, there's a lot inferred mm-hmm. and, and, and it's kind of like the, that's where the tension comes but when you're watching those ones you know what they're teasing will be shown yeah and, and oh, it's, yeah, t- it's typically over the top and and realistic mm-hmm. right right like you'll watch some like like a lot of asian stuff like like the korean films that i was into for a long time they're over the top like like uh like you think of like machine girl yeah. or, or, or yeah. tokyo gore police and and where they show tons of gore but it's not really realistic like it's almost like right right whereas french new wave is it's cringeworthy gore that's why that's why when you watch like a lot of those french movies like we talked about like inside or frontiers and martyrs that's yeah, why yeah. oh frontiers for so long. Yeah. yeah frontiers is great yeah because you see that they'll, they'll put in scenes that kind of stick with you mm-hmm. and, oh yeah uh, definitely yeah they like all the finger scene it. here i'll remember that that like probably forever yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the finger scene in this movie was so great actually you know another thing that i think about because typically with these the effects and I haven't I haven't seen Raw, but I've seen a lot of French New Wave horror. They're practical effects, most of them. Oh, definitely. Because it, yeah, because it just looks a lot yeah. better. And it takes me back to like I remember when we were in film school, and and part of the like trying to make horror films was trying to create that practical effect. Mm-hmm. Like I remember using pumps and like like making fake blood and like how can you and 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 it brings back that kind of like how do they do it thing? And there's an art to these horror films in the actual doing a practical effect and making it work and then wondering oh, how the shit did they do that? That's awesome. Like, and I think French new wave does that. There's so many scenes where you're waiting for it. They show it and it's practical. And you're like, that's a cool effect. And I think that's, that gets lost a lot now. And I think, you know, you don't see it as much in, in now. Um, well, especially in like, in, in a bigger budget films, it's all CG. Like the one that is going to be on my radar. It's all, yeah. it, it, it's all CG and that's how they get around shit. But, Originally, there's this whole thing about like, hey, that's a cool thing for a filmmaker to do is to figure out how to make this effect practically. Yeah, they do these things. Then what? What else I like about it too is that they do this thing which which Tarantino took from. So when he started incorporating European cinema, where they have these really long takes, and long takes with horror movies are great. Like there's a scene towards the beginning where this car crashes. And then you see, and then basically just lingers on it for a while. So these scenes where they draw out like the tension and the dread when you watch it, also like if there's this accident victim there, and then you see the cannibal going over towards the ac- the accident victim, mm-hmm. it doesn't chop it up at all. It it uh, it elongates it, it stretches it out, so there's more tension to it. And then when the gore happens, it's not a bunch of like quick cuts or anything. Yeah it stays on it and it doesn't do a bunch of quick cuts to distract you from it. So it keeps you in the moment a lot more. And I think it's more effective that way too. I've always like, yeah, I've always liked the tension stuff. I mean, like 
Yeah, like staying on somebody and, and and creating tension that way. It's like it's the opposite of where things are going over here on bigger budget stuff where it's quick cuts, lots of CG, and everything's kind of moving fast. It's like a big action movie. Those long lingering, it's like the like the rusty chainsaw being started up right. and, and, mm-hmm. and just being slowly walked towards like that 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 tension. I, I, it's so effective in horror, especially when you have stuff like that. So I mean, the one that's on my radar is the complete opposite. So I finally, because I like the first one so much, I watched Train to Busan Peninsula, yes. mm-hmm. which, which it's four or five years after the last one, Train to Busan. And I really liked it. I appreciated the original one because it, it was a cool concept. They're trapped on a train, right? Yeah. And, and, and they're trapped yeah. on a train. It's just a different. But this one was very, it was like, it was like Fast and the Furious. Uh, There's a couple things I liked, a couple things I didn't like. And this is kind of, prompting something as, as we're going to tease something out like because it's a it is a zombie movie but what was cool about it is it kind of basically had the zombies as the backdrop that was the landscape the landscape was hey everybody we live in a like you, you don't have to explain it anymore like remember when zombie movies first came out they all started with and this is what happened you know now we're in a zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. what are we going to do and people are like oh my god what are we going to do like then all of a sudden it became you know pretty even Walking Dead kind of started in the middle. We're like, hey, look, you you know the, what happens at the beginning. Let's just get, you know, cut to the chase. There's, it's, we're living in a zombie apocalypse. And so we're, we're in that, and they basically start with, yeah, we're four years later. So, And it's also, the cool thing about it was, it's only in Korea. So the rest of the world is going about their their daily lives, and, and it, everything's fine. But the zombie apocalypse has just been isolated to Korea. Oh, okay. So it's completely and self-contained. It's completely self-contained, and it's just, in, and, and I, and I, if I remember correctly, it's like, so South Korea is where, uh, South Korea is, was where the zombie apocalypse is. And that's because all these films, there's, there's South Korea, South Korean film, the horror films, there's lots of them. So anyhow, they go to North Korea or is it China or Japan? I can't remember. Anyhow, the whole, all long and short is like all the South Koreans who are in the zombie apocalypse who got out, uh, they were trapped on boats forever because no one wanted them because like they were basically like just like a quarantine, like a pandemic. They're like, no, 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 no. There's, there could be a zombie in there. You're not allowed to dock that thing. So they stayed in boats forever. Finally, a bunch of them escaped and went to a into a land thing that like got onto North Korea or whatever. And yeah, long and short, what I what I really liked about this was we kind of jumped right into it and it took about two to five minutes to explain what, what, what zombie apocalypse we were in. But then it quickly turned to this is a heist movie. This is. They're like, okay, here's a bunch of guys. We want you to go back. There's $10 million sitting on a truck that's in where the zombie apocalypse is. I need you guys to go in, get that truck, and bring it back. And we can all split the money. So it's kind of like a heist movie by sending these this ex-military guy in. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, So we're not really dealing with zombies. Zombies are just a hurdle, a constant right, hurdle yeah. because mm-hmm. of the landscape. This is really a heist movie. And he's as they, they find the truck, but then bad guys are trying to get it. People find the money. Like it's it basically becomes this heist movie within the zombie apocalypse. And it really made me think is like, yeah, it's kind of neat that, that there are certain horror films and zombies really are the one that allow this to happen where it's like, now, if you're a horror fan, we can just start in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Nothing needs to be explained, but we can actually lay in another story on top of that. So this right. is a, <laughs> this is a heist movie that happens to take place in the zombie apocalypse. This is a, it's endless. Like this is a love triangle in a zombie apocalypse. This is a, you know, whatever it might be. And I thought that was kind of neat the way they did that. They did tie it back in at the end with the zombies, but it still stuck to it. The issues I had was they were very CG heavy zombies. I've always appreciated. So these zombies are fast zombies. Like they were introduced in 28 days later. Um, but they were zombies more like world war Z where it was like, you just can't see faces or characters. It's just swarms of zombies. Yeah. He's like, 
which which I don't know how I feel about. Like I, I think about like 28 days later, the genius of they were fast zombies, but they still kind of were zombies. Like like the helicopter scene was at 28 days later or 28 days uh, after whatever it was. Remember like the field of zombies, the helicopters. <laughs> oh, oh, so there's a 28 days later, and then I think it was 20 28 weeks later. 28 weeks later, yeah, yeah. and they're like, and they still broke it down into zombie scenes, whereas mm-hmm. this is just like they're constantly dealing with a swarm. And they even CG the car chases, like so yeah. you could tell the cars and the buses that they were driving were full CG. So a lot of it felt like a cross between Fast and the Furious and um, you know Grand Theft Auto, like they were just drifting cars through streets and swat, running over zombies and everything, but. But hey, I'm a, I'm a zombie fan. I've always been a zombie fan. Like back in film school, I I, I made a couple of zombie uh, short films. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I always there's always a soft spot uh, for me. And you know, even in, when we get to the crowdfunding ones, we will continue with my soft spot for zombies. But I, I really appreciate for me the idea of like that zombies have become just a landscape, and we can layer in stories. And I think filmmakers could think about that. Like think about the fact that you could start a movie anywhere, and you just mm-hmm. have to say, "Hey, we're in a zombie apocalypse," and everyone understands where we are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I think mostly because of The Walking Dead. Basically, Walking Dead did a crossover thing where they had people that weren't really into horror watch that show. And it really crossed over like the normie audience, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the regular horror fans, because that show incorporated different elements, different genres. Like drama, yeah, drama you can mostly. even break down. You can yeah. even break down Walking Dead, how they lost people and gained people. Like, oh, yeah. Like, right. Like it, it, it really is like, like that. Yeah, they drag these people in. But I, you're, I think you're right. Like Walking Dead was the one that kind of basically said, hey, we can have storylines on top of this because let's just accept that they're zombies and we have to deal with them constantly. Yeah, just it normalized way. zombie um, pop culture, basically. Yeah, so it is, I mean, I think, I, I mean, the thing is, I feel like indie film, it used to be like 10 years ago, every indie horror film, like every other indie horror film was a zombie film just because oh, yeah. they're easy to do. And they kind of, I think Walking Dead kind of quashed that because they're like, okay, we've hit a saturation point with zombie films. But that doesn't mean zombies are going to, no pun intended, stay dead forever. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I think you know, when you see stuff and you get new ideas, it's just, it's one of many landscapes. And that was the one thing I really liked. It was essentially like this action heist movie in a zombie apocalypse. And I think, you know, as a filmmaker, you can be like, yeah, I can make any movie take place in a zombie apocalypse. And that's why what you're talking about is really cool because you just talked about the oversaturation before. So there has, especially with the normalization of zombie pop culture with, with the walking dead and bringing over all these fans that weren't horror to it and making it and making it normal and commonplace that also added to the oversaturation. So it's really important for movies now to catch new viewers, to have a different spin on this or people that are used to like, seeing so many of the same zombie movies over and over again. Sort of like the Nazi stuff that we're talking about, like the yeah. Nazi villain stuff. There's got to be a new twist on this now to keep this to keep this genre going, mm-hmm. to make it so that it doesn't disappear or so make it so it's not boring. And you can definitely do that by adding these new elements like you're talking about with this one, like that, what draw you into this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's been, I mean, I, I, you, like we'll talk about it because you and I were talking before. We'll, yeah. We're going to do a whole episode on, on zombies because there's so it's so wide like a i'm a huge zombie guy but from like intimate zombie films where it's like um where you know where it's just you know oh my 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 girlfriend turned into a zombie to like world war z where it's just like just millions of them and their swarms there's so much options within it um anyhow yeah we're, this has triggered us to we're going to talk more about zombies and i i i think much like crowdfunding which we're going to talk about next the zombie genre isn't dead um 
uh, still a, a lot meat, of meat left on that bone. Still a lot of meat left on those bones, just like I think crowdfunding. And <laughs> we have been talking a lot about crowdfunding. Like once a month, we'll bring do an episode where we look at a project. But then the main reason is really I feel that that crowdfunding is going to be more and more important. I don't think it's going away. It's going anywhere. There's the the projects that I'm seeing on there are cooler and uh, and like neat, like the one that I've seen here. But I also think it's like people are going to figure out what what this is really about. And it's not about like one and done putting, Hey, I, I need to raise money. I'm going to put it on here. It's about a community. And like the one that I want to talk about is, is really, and even the one you're going to talk about, these are communities. And the idea is like, yeah. Hey, if I can get a bunch of people to back this, my project, my film, whatever it might be, I can take that audience and I can carry them from project to project. I can raise money. It's just, the future of filmmaking, especially indie film, is going to be about having an audience, keeping that audience to you, so you can you can help them. There's always viewers for your projects, but it's also about realistically, if I'm I, I, like, if I know I'm going to get a, a film out of the deal, if you ask for me twenty bucks now or twenty bucks down the road, I don't care as long as I'm getting that movie. Yeah, and I think crowdfunding is just a really. I think I think we haven't seen the end of it. In fact, I think it's going to have this big, huge resurgence. So well. Absolutely right. I think the future is it's going to replace what was traditional financing. Yeah, tapping it like like if you can get ten thousand people that always want to see every movie you make, and you all and you're like, hey, I need twenty bucks from each of you, and I'm going to go make my next film. It, it, it just makes sense, and I think people need to look at it, follow it. I mean, if you're a filmmaker, get on Indiegogo, get on Kickstarter. I think there's others as well. But kind of just look around, see how these guys are doing it, what the kind of perks they're doing, uh, and 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 if you're if you've done a film or you have a social following or whatever it is, do a Kickstarter campaign and like put those people set set the bar low and and you you raise some money. But then more important than the money is having a bunch of people that are willing to give you money to see your projects. Right, and yeah. and I think that's the cool thing about it. So yeah, I don't know which one we want to do first. We want to do yours first or or, or mine. Oh, go ahead and talk about yours first. I have the page opened up for it here. Okay, so mine, um, yeah, I mean, sticking with the zombie theme for me, because this it did, this was completely, I, I had found this Kickstarter one. I wanted to talk about it before I actually watched Trading with Zombie. It's a zombie one, and this is a classic zombie one. All right, so this guy, Steve Walsh, is working. Uh, he's this, So Steve Walsh is a filmmaker, and he's the CEO of a company called More Brains. And he's working <laughs> with <perfect>. the stakeholders, <laughs> and he's working with the stakeholders who own the rights to the original Return of the Living Dead. Um, so it's and and it starts off with that we're 15 years after the release of the fifth film, and so they're working together to basically nurture a community, raise a bit of money. But what they want to do really is they're going to make another Return of the Living Dead. But to get there they're doing a whole bunch of stuff like selling Tarman hot sauce, return of the living dead t-shirts. They're trying to build this community to like exactly what we're talking about. They're like, okay, we got this IP. We got this intellectual property return of the living dead. I'm working with these guys. How can we resuscitate this to where we're making movies again? We've got fans and this is the perfect way to do it. And it also made me think like, I love the, the return of the living dead. Oh, so it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then like one of the main lines from it is brains. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> no, also that's and my favorite and my favorite and my favorite line within it wasn't it uh when the because then this one this is the first time zombies could talk and actually communicate they, they couldn't actually talk and communicate before now keep in mind return, the return of the living dead were a little tongue-in-cheek these were funnier yeah definitely and the campaign's called return of the living dead ready to party ready to party and like and my, my the line that i always always cracked me up is when 
the, the the zombie grabs the radio from the ambulance and he's mm-hmm. like, send more cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is that's true. And there's and they it also spawned a number of sequels too. Um mm-hmm. Turn Living Dead 2 and then 3, which it was just three was with the like, girl. The girl pierces herself, yep. Linda Clark pierces herself to stop the pain from happening. I thought that was a pretty cool spin Yeah, a, a cool spin So the Return of the Living Dead, and it, it always does get like because it was funny. Like I, I remember when I was when I first saw the original Return of the Living Dead, I assumed it was somehow tied to the Romero films. Yeah. It's not at all. It's it's, yeah. it's not at all. I mean, if, outside of the fact that it's called Living Dead, um that's there, there's no tie whatsoever. It's like you have you know, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, the Romero stuff. Return of the Living Dead spawned its own uh, series. But it had the famous Tar Man, um, mm-hmm. obviously, who's front and center here, which was the one that they that they, they carried, which was cool because if, I remember the history on it. It was a super skinny dude that they put into a Tar Man suit and, and uh, who played that. The Return of the Living Dead was just a great franchise. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Clue Gallagher, Linnea Quigley. I mean, really sweet movie. Yeah, and it was that, and I think it was the first that took it kind of tongue in cheek, had a little humor to it. The zombies could talk; they were not fast. That was introduced later. But I mean, looking up and down this one, I just love everything about it. Like, so these guys are selling Tarman hot sauce. They're selling some posters. They got T-shirts. They've got the yeah. you know the model sitting here, and they've got the different characters that they're they're uh, they've got. They've got some Tarman stuff going on. It's all. And realistically, at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is is revive the uh, revive the franchise. So this is a way to do it, right? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it and it talks about the I, I think to me it talks about the importance of intellectual property too, which we've touched on. Where it's like if you have a franchise, if you have access to a franchise, or you've created or or you want to create something, creating an intellectual property that can be leveraged is super important. So like this guy, for all I know, he reached out to the original owners of the property and were like, Hey, I want to revive this. Let's work together. And uh, I have no doubt that you will see another return of the living dead film, uh, you know, spawn out of this. Well, let's hope so. I think there's been at least four so far, uh, but it's been a while since, since the last one, but the, I mean, the artwork on here is great. Like they do this artwork, like they would have for advertisements in comics and then they do like some comic book samples on the very top there, like comic book style covers. And then, I mean, actually, I want to try this barbecue sauce. This barbecue sauce <laughs> which is, which is, I mean, the artwork tar- tar- is fantastic. It's really good. And there's a real, oh, look at this hottie that's so advertising. Yeah, I know. They, they, they had her, but then there's Tarman spicy bourbon barbecue sauce. And he's, he's <laughs> eating, he's eating a brain covered in, in barbecue sauce uh, with a, with a, with a bourbon on ice next to him. I mean, What's not to like about? Uh, I mean, what, what, what yeah, this is cool too. Like they got the Tarman, and he looks like King Kong. He's on the on the <laughs> top of the Empire State Building, and a plane coming for him. Or I'm not sure if it's, but it's a very King Kong like picture. But a lot of like, oh, this is cool. This Kentucky Bourbon Chef Chef Tarman design on here with the barbecue sauce. Yeah, a lot of really cool designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everything everything's about it. And so if you actually. So this one's live right now, and I'm just kind of looking at what they they say the risks and challenges for for giving the money. Um, they've done this before, uh-huh. uh, not a lot of risks. They basically want to relaunch the website, uh, which is going to be housing the community. Talk, I mean, to, to me, that, that, that talks about how important a website is to be able to drag people in. Uh, basically, they're raising money to improve the website, probably add in more e-com stuff so you can buy these shirts, you can buy the barbecue, the hot sauce. Um 
so they got a bunch of people ready to pr- produce all this stuff and ready to go. So I think, I mean, like, like basically they're like, Hey, there's not much, there's not much risk here. Come on, help us buy a few of these products, help us finish off our website. And the whole idea behind it is to get more interest going in return of living dead and spawn the franchise. So check it out. That's it. Kickstarter, um, return of living dead, ready to party. Uh, check it out. I think it's really cool. And I think it's kind of a cool idea. Actually, you do the merch before you make the movie. So their end goal is probably going to be to make a movie, but they want to do the merch. But they say this is not to make a movie. This is just to basically get um, all the excitement back for this franchise. Yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. kind of cool. They're doing strict merch only, and then they're going to build off from there. Oh, yeah. Actually, the more I think about it, it's like if you have a film, even if it doesn't have, and like, I mean, to me, Return of the Living Dead is an iconic franchise. But even if you're just making some new shit up, if you set the bar low and get on one of these platforms and say, Hey, look, we're making a whole new, we're making monkey man, the movie. And then you create a bunch of monkey man dolls and monkey man, t-shirts and monkey. Man, and that's what you're selling. People are more like, like if they know they're going to get something, they're, they're, they're going to give you money or they're going to join your community. Right. So I think even in, if you look, take that tip from them and say, okay, well, I want to make a movie, but I'm not going to actually fundraise for the movie. Now I'm going to create products that people can actually buy and wear or, or, or use but the goal here is, hey, if I can get 250 people that want to buy that shit, once I'm ready to do the next step, I'm going to sell to those same people. I'm building my community. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to take and learn from that. A uh, real quick uh, trivia to throw in about this. I, now this is why I think a lot of people got so confused. Is like Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead the same thing, or why are they often being lumped into the same thing? Because John Russo did the story for it. Now, the guy that wrote it, it was Dan O'Bannon, but mm. one of the writers from the original Night of the Living Dead did the story for it. So that's probably why it gets confused with the crossover. Okay, so anyhow, now moving on to your crowdfunding one that you found. Well, first, I will describe about like how slow of mind I am because uh, and how I learned how to use the search engine just now because mm-hmm. I got all excited when I was, Ted, I found this great Kickstarter campaign movie and I started laughing for like a whole day. It's called PMS Cop. So first you have like scanner cop, psycho cop, maniac cop, and now you got PMS cop. (laughs) (laughs) She was hilarious. And like the tagline is, it's her time of the month. But this campaign ended in 2015. So, or that was when it was last updated. So I discovered that in search features for Kickstarter, you can't just put in horror movies. You have to put in recently added horror movies, and then that'll show you what's new here. So Mm -hmm. I found a new one. Uh, this new one is now this has actually gone through, but it's got a late pledge where you can order today. Uh, recently updated March 26th. It's called mainly, Half-tone. yeah, mainly because you can buy the product still. Yeah, yeah. Halftone Horrors: The History of Horror Movie Comic Books. So it's basically a collector's guide that takes you through the history of horror movie adaptations or horror movie comic book adaptations. But it looks really sweet. Yeah, it's the it, it, what's what's cool about it. I mean, there's a lot of cool shit about this because. First off, these are basically taking awesome horror movies, and then it's mm-hmm. the adaptation after the fact uh, right. into comics, right? And, and, and just looking at I, they have Leatherface and uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Dust Till Dawn, uh, even Zombie. But some of them are adaptations, but some of them are like probably I would say could oh, be the Puppet Master, but continuing the um, continuing on with the the franchise and new storylines. But what's interesting about comics is we had a buddy that was pretty sure that comics work as IP, right? As intellectual property. And a friend of ours 
decided to get one of his projects done, which never actually got yeah. done, is that he actually spent, I think, five to ten thousand dollars to get a bunch at least ten, yeah. At least ten to actually create a comic book based on his script that he would do a limited release with. And and I think like in general, not even like looking at what they're doing here is like, hey, these are adaptations that happen after the fact, but comics are a really important driver and channel mm-hmm. for horror films and science fiction and stuff like that. It, it's just a cool, cool medium. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if it's an independent comic, it's not through one of the main ones. See, the main comics aren't actually doing too well, like the big two, uh, Marvel and DC, and a lot of like the larger ones that were side spinoffs. But indie stuff right now and stuff on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, specialized kind of indie comics where they're not digital, where people can get physical copies of them are actually doing really well right now. Yeah, I mean, comics. So in the general, collector's I'm... medium is actually becoming pretty popular right now with the with the streaming age because it offers something that streaming doesn't physical media, which people mm-hmm. don't get a lot of anymore, which is more yeah. valuable now. Which is it, it? That's why, like, I looking through this here, it's like first off, it's like, yeah, they're extending these franchises, right? So, like, just flipping through what they have on the Kickstarter, it's like there, there, there's um like the thing, which is awesome. But if you uh, so they adapted the thing into a comic book, but then they took it on to about like ten other issues right so oh, yeah it's clear, like clearly taking the, the franchise and going into new storyline well they even did that with star wars like right? star wars had like, oh, absolutely yeah. yeah i collected the early the early marvel ones that came out and uh, then dark horse put them out and then marvel took them back out and they're still doing a bunch of them now um but these like actually the army of darkness comics they spawned a huge franchise i was a big fan of like the as far as like comics are concerned uh tons of spin-offs like ash versus you know they're bringing all these guest stars for it so uh, like so there would be like an issue of ash and xena versus the army of darkness or any other kind of guest star they would bring in but that that's been going on for a while one of my favorite ones were like the original nightmare on elm street comic that came out but i i wish those would have gone on forever they're the oversized ones they were really cool and then my favorite was the beyond comic that i got because it came with a cd which is uh as of now still one of my favorite soundtracks yeah it's i mean i just think like it's funny because when our buddy put ten thousand dollars into making his own comic, it, it didn't really go anywhere, but he still has it and he still throws it around like as if it'll 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 move the needle still. But I do there is something about physical media. So like you can think about this from all sides, right? So if I mean and, and I and we always talk about this that you got like filmmakers need to think of like intellectual property. Like if they're creating a new villain or creating a new something, it's like okay, is this something that's franchisable? Can we take it in different directions? What like what else can we do with it? Maybe you may, maybe you start with a comic book and, and and then use the comic book to leverage into the script, or maybe you've made the first indie film. Now make a comic book based on it, and you can talk about the different directions it can go. Crossover audience too is what it brings forward for you. Yeah, yeah, and it's just and it's just more it's physical media out there based on your IP, and it's just kind of a neat like it's it's a good extension like oh no it's not just a film now it's also a film and a comic oh, oh and we've got this over here and we did a short film like it's it, comics are great i think it it, it it extends it extends your uh your franchise puppet master has been rocking the comics for a while as of trancers and a number of their other ones they had like the demonic toys like the comics that came out as well too which are great um but just all kinds of, man this is this looks really cool i want to get this shit this looks awesome yeah yeah, that's cool. There's a coffee table book for you. But I mean, um, yeah, it's very cool. They got a lot of cool stuff. It's, it's just, and it, again, I mean, the, the story behind the story here, it's a cool product. It's a cool project. But just the idea of having comics based on on movie IP and or and movie IP being turned into comics and vice versa. And it's just like the different channels is cool. You actually, I mean, you've 
produced a bunch of comics yourself, right? So yeah, I, I mean, I I love comics as equally as much as I love movies, if not more. Mm-hmm. And they're doing. I mean, it is doable, aren't there? Like, and you were saying. I mean, we went down the road a little bit looking at it, but you can like hire an artist. You know, oh, they're yeah. not. They're yeah. not. It's not terribly hard so if you have a movie idea and you're like well how am i going to get this out there maybe you look at the comic book room you can there's places to go to hire an artist who's not going to even charge you that much and then you're doing the writing and there's software out there to help you put it together and you can distribute an indie comic yeah it is now it is like incredibly time consuming much like like making movies are what i've discovered from that is i think this would probably be like a good topic for a future episode also is that it's um you learn that like just starting with like a one shot, which is basically like a little bit larger than a regular comic, like 48 pages, as opposed to a graphic novel or trying to do a whole bunch of series is so much more realistic than trying to do a graphic novel from the get go. But what I've also seen is that as opposed to doing single issues, graphic novels sell a lot better because mm-hmm. they don't keep people on the line being committed to having to buy like one or wait till all the other ones to come out. They can just buy it once and then be done with it there and then have it as a collector's item. So I think either a one shot or a graphic novel are the best way to go with that is from what I've learned. Especially when you're talking about yeah. something independent like this, because right. then you're, and if it, Hey, if it takes off and it catches great, make another one. Right. That mean, but the, yeah. again, tying everything we're talking about today together is like, Hey, if, if you put, can put something out there that people like, retain that audience retain your community and build it give them something else and then bring them in and then you can tie it into the movie or you can tie it into somehow but that's why these crowdfunding campaigns are great you're building a community around your property so yeah i think those are those are both very cool um projects so oh, this is so great i'm just looking at this picture of like all of like the toxic adventure mm-hmm. comics they had they're just bringing back some memories they have a whole bunch of 28 days later ones i didn't even realize either. yeah well I mean, I mean any any you know any ip can be can be extended right yeah yeah all right so you got anything else to add this week no i think i'm gonna buy this shit though this looks awesome (laughs) yeah and i think this has spawned us i think next week we're gonna have a we're gonna have a zombie um based uh episode where we're gonna talk about the history of uh zombie films and and maybe what indie horror filmmakers kind of try to maybe uh give some ideas there that you might that might help us revive the zombie thing. Cause there is more meat on those bones. And I think maybe we, in another future episode, we talk about comics cause you have a lot of history there. And I think it's a cool thing to talk about. So yeah, there you go. This, this episode is helping us make future episodes. All right. So all right, if you made it this far, congratulations. Uh, and uh, like we said at the beginning, the goal here is to help indie horror filmmakers by talking about all this stuff and, uh, and, and trying to get more indie horror films made, giving some ideas and building our community. Uh, and of course, also, we want more people watching indie horror because if more people watch it, that means we can make more of it. So if that sounds good, please, deadharvey.com. Join our e-newsletter, follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. So thank you very much. And until next week, when we'll be talking about zombies. Okay, see you next week. Brains. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Brains.